Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message one and done, I thought, let's touch on something that's somewhat controversial, and I've been in church for 25 years, and I haven't heard 10 sermons, it seems like, on two topics, and as soon as you hear them, you're going to want to run for the hills, because it does seem like it steps on people's toes a little bit. Um, the first one is money, and the second one is sex. Yeah, we, we said that, and although it's interesting, people don't like hearing about them, but the majority of the people that I've talked to actually wouldn't mind a little more of both of them. Um, uh, so however, this morning, we are going to talk about the first one. So we're just going to talk about the first one. We're going to keep it cool. Um, uh, and we're just going to talk about money this morning and what it means to be generous. So the title of my message is The Buck Stops Here. Here at The Brick, we've got a lot of core values, and I love them. I, I went to church for years, and uh, the places I attended, they were good places, good people, but they didn't have what we call core values. And what I mean by that is, is they didn't express to the people what they believed um, the church's job was to do, and that's what our core values are. They are principles that we like to say from the stage all the time because they help us set a culture to where no matter where someone is in their life, we believe they help us set the culture. They can come in here and they can find God on their terms. We've got one we say all the time. It says we can do anything short of sin. To reach people that don't know Christ and to reach people no one's reaching, you got to do things no one's doing. That one's awesome. It's, it, it's awesome. It, it, it's awesome. we got another one that says that we are faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. Um, we won't insult God with small thinking or safe living. Love that one, too. we got another one that says that we will give up things we love for things we love even more. It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ in his church. I actually love that one, too. And the one I want to touch on this morning, though, we don't hit as much, but it's just as powerful, and I want to share it with you right now. And that core value says this. It says that we will lead the way with irrational generosity. We truly believe it is more blessed to give than to receive. We'll lead the way with irrational generosity. We truly believe it's more blessed to give than it is receive. And growing up in church, I would hear all the time, right, that it's more blessed to give. It's, it's, it's better to give than it is receive. And to be transparent with you, I never believed it. And the reason I never believed it, it wasn't just because I thought the person was lying, but gifts are one of my love languages. So when someone would get me a gift, I would feel loved. And I would, and they're saying, it's better if you give than if you received. And then my love language would tell me, no, it's actually not. It's better if someone gives something to you because it feels better than if you gave something to someone else. And so I had to wrestle with this all the time. And it wasn't that I didn't get to the, I, the overarching principle was, it's good to be generous. I got that, but the, whether or not it was actually better or more blessed, I wrestled with for a little while. And then you think, okay, this is a cool core value. Where do we do? Just pull this out of the air. Um, actually, no. If you look at the bottom line, we truly believe that it is more blessed to give than to receive. You can actually find that line in Scripture. Let's turn around fast. Acts chapter 20. Acts 20 says this. This is Paul writing, and he says, In everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself has said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So this core value is actually tied to Scripture, and Jesus himself, Paul is referring to when he said it's more blessed to give than it is receive. Let's get a little backstory to this right here, because if you read the next couple verses, he's talking to the leaders at the church at Ephesus, and Scripture says this. It says, after he said that, they started to cry. 
And I was like, oh my goodness, these babies. He told them that it was better for them to have to give than to receive, and they started crying because they like to get so much. They're the kid on Christmas morning that got less gifts than someone else, so they're going to start to cry. And it says, it says they began to weep. And it seems like they started weeping because Paul said, listen, you're selfish. It's better to give than it is um, to receive. And you get a little backstory, and you actually find out that's not why they were weeping. See, in uh, Bible times, there were two big churches. There was one in Jerusalem and there was one in Antioch. But if you wanted to have a big three, it would absolutely be Jerusalem, Antioch, and a church in Asia Minor that was called Ephesus. This is where Paul is at at this time. He's talking to the leaders at the church at Ephesus. Ephesus is a big place to Paul because Paul spent more than two years of his ministry career, two years and three months to be exact, in Ephesus, pleading and working and loving and helping them, trying to bring the revelation of Jesus Christ and the help that the gospel can bring to people. In Ephesus, he loved them so much, he had a short time period, and he spent two years and three months there loving them. Matter of fact, Paul loved Ephesus so much that when he was in prison in Rome, he wrote what we read now as the book of Ephesians, which some people believe is the greatest literary arc in the Bible. It's personal opinion, but some people believe that because even when he was in bondage, he loved the church at Ephesus so, so much that he wrote scripture to them so that he can continue to help lead and guide them even after he was there. And we find ourselves in Acts chapter 20, what seems to be people crying because Paul said, you got to give, it's better to give than it is to receive. And then actually what you find out is, is that Paul is actually headed to Jerusalem Jerusalem stops into Ephesus because this place that he wrote a letter to, this place that he spent two years and three months at, he found out that more than likely this would be the very last time in his life that he would get to see these people. And the elders, the leaders were crying, not because of what he said, but they were crying because they recognized this was the last time that they were going to get to see him. And you've got Paul, who spent two years, three months, wrote a letter has given thousands and thousands of instructions, biblical instructions to these people, and he's fixing to leave, and he's thinking, what's the last thing I can leave them with to give them the most fulfillment? What's the last thing I can leave them with to set them up for success? What's the last thing I can leave them with if I never get to say another word to them? And Paul, the genius, Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, Paul who God had handpicked out, decided that what he would leave them with was this. It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's powerful. I remember when God let me feel this firsthand. I was 19 years old, and I was working at a restaurant. I was waiting tables. But it wasn't like traditional. It was buffet style, so it was cafeteria tables. So there were a lot of, um, uh, it, it wasn't cafeteria tables, but it was a cafeteria. So there was a lot of older people coming through. So my average tip was $2. So my average tip was $2, but I got to wait on 15 tables at a time. So I'm hustling fried chicken and green beans $2 at a time, just running back and forth, getting it to them, filling them up, getting them unsweet tea, and I'm making $2 at a time. But I could turn 15 tables four times. So when I was 19, I was making $120 a night, stacking my pockets, baby. I was balling. And it was on a night to where it was kind of rough. Um, I'd only made $20. I'd been there all day. I was hustling. And, you know, you kind of had the people that come in and tell you not to spend it all in one place. God loves those people. He, he, he himself loves those people. But anyways, um, I had a lot of that going on. I was tired of hearing it, and they think they're so funny, but it's not. It's actually, they didn't come up with that. People have been saying that for years. It's not original. Um, anyways, they're saying that. So I'm getting to the end of my shift, and I'm a little down because um, I only had $20, and that was barely going to get me back home because for whatever reason, I thought I'd be smart to live in Muskogee and work in Tulsa at the time. So that's what I was doing. And, uh, and I was up there, and a last couple comes in, and they come in, and they asked me what I'm doing. I'm like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm working, waiting tables because I'm working my way through, through Bible school. And I believe that God um, has a plan for my life. And that's why I'm up here. And normally, I, I wouldn't divulge that much. But I was tired. I was exhausted. I just threw it out there. And they lit up. 
I was like, oh, they, they lit up. And they began to talk to me about what God was doing in their family. And they asked if they could pray for me. And I was like, yeah, you could pray for me. I need it right now. So they prayed for me in the restaurant. And they go to leave. And I'm thinking, okay, man, this was worth showing up to work. I'm going to make $20, but this was worth showing up to work. And the guy grabs his checkbook, and he says, Ryan, listen, we want to invest in your life. And I'm thinking, he's got a checkbook. People usually don't write $2 checks, you know what I'm saying? So he's about to up my average pretty heavy right here. And he grabs his checkbook, and he wrote, and he wrote a $100 check, and he gave it to me. And he said, this is more than just giving you $100. Um, we want you to see that God's got your back, when you, even when you don't feel like he has it. And they hand me the $100. And I'm elated. because It's only $100, but I'm 19. You know what I'm saying? And my average was 120, and I had 20, and they just got me back up to where I need to be at. So that next morning, as soon as I wake up, when the bank opens up, I go to the bank and cash the check. Um, they were good people, and I seemed like trustworthy, but I didn't want anybody changing their mind. So I, I cashed that check right fast, <laughs> put it in my pocket. Um, uh, I go to lunch with one of my buddies, and I'm telling him the story about how these people gave me $100. He's like, you're kidding. I was like, no, this is crazy, isn't it? Um, they were talking all this stuff about how um, God's going to do something in my life, and he's going to do this and that, and I needed the $100, and it showed up right on time. It was a cool deal. And we're sitting there. We're eating at Taco Bell. And, is, you know, I had a hunter, so I was balling. You know what I'm saying? So we went to Taco Bell, and I was like, I got you today, bro. And uh, we went there, <laughs> and, uh, and I, hear a guy, I hear a guy behind the counter. And I hear him, and he, I can tell he's having a tough day. And he wasn't complaining. I think he was actually just, he was just venting out loud because I could tell there was a lot of pressure on his life. And I'm sitting there minding my business, talking to my buddy, and I feel the Holy Spirit. And I don't mean he told me in an audible voice. He didn't part the clouds, but I knew in my heart, I knew. He was speaking to me, and he said, Ryan, I want you to give that guy that $100. And I was like, full transparency? I said, absolutely not. Um, I, won't be, I won't be giving nobody no $100 a day. Those people, they're good people. They said they served you. They told me this was my $100. As a matter of fact, they told me you told them to give me this $100. So I don't want them upset. I'll be holding on this money right now, sir, because um, uh, I don't want them mad. And on top of that, if why would you tell them it was mine and then tell me it was his? That doesn't make sense. This can't be God. So I held on that money, and I'm talking to my buddy. And he was like, man, are you all right? I was like, yeah, I'm fine, man. Leave me alone. And uh, he was like, are you all right? Because sometimes, you know, he didn't hear God. It wasn't an audible voice. He had no idea what was going on. He just knew I was making weird faces and wrestling. And he could tell by my face. And then God was like, hey, no, you actually, um, you, you need to give this man this money. I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. So I get up to leave. Shamingly, I, I had no intentions. I was like, no, I'm holding on to this money. And I get up to leave. And sure enough, there's that man cleaning a table right there in between me and the door. And I was like, oh, man. So I've really got to, I, I was already disobeying, but like I got to disobey, disobey. Like I've got to walk past him. And I looked at it and I said, all right, God, I get it. So I grabbed the money and it's just $100. I said, man, can you come here? And, uh. I was like, listen, I, I don't know what you believe. Um, I don't need to know what you believe, but I, I believe in Jesus, and I know it might seem weird, but I think Jesus is telling me that I'm supposed to give you this money. So he starts crying in the middle of Taco Bell, and then I kind of start crying, and I'm like, man, he, he might have needed this more than me for sure. And then he gathers himself, and he says this. He says, listen, guy, he was like, this is so much more than the $100. He was like, because I'm back here talking back here to God, and I'm telling him this place doesn't recognize me. This place doesn't understand how much time I put in. I work harder than anybody else here, and I was asking God if he saw all the effort I was putting in trying to be pleasing to him working here at Taco Bell. He said, and five minutes later, you come to me and tell me that God told me that, that this was supposed to be $100. He said, thank you for the 100 I needed the 100 He said, but it's so much more than $100. I walk out to my car, shut the door, I get in, and in 18 hours' time, I got to feel the difference between 
how blessed I felt to get and then how blessed I felt to give. And nothing wrong with getting. Sometimes we need to get. God wants to give. He wants us to receive. There's nothing shameful about that. It's, 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 it's cool when God comes through. It's cool when people recognize that there's room in your life for them to be good to you. Nothing wrong with getting. It's biblical. It's godly. God's in the getting as well. But if you're comparing the two, God let me see firsthand at 19, there's actually no comparison. How I felt when I got the money, I was like, yeah. But then how I felt when I was able to give it moved me in a way that excitement couldn't. Generosity is the key that opens several doors in our life. And what I found out is this, is that there's a lot of things that we struggle with in life, maybe a, that, that, that bother us or that have strongholds in our life or maybe that we're even addicted to. And God wants to help us get out of those things. Generosity, however, is the addiction that God wants to get you into. If you will get addicted to giving, I have found this out, that God will support your habit. God will support your habit. And generosity has to be a planned thing. Matter of fact, you can see it in the book of Isaiah. Let's put it on the screen. In the book of Isaiah, it says this, but generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to do what is generous and they stand firm in their generosity. So generosity, right? Now it's a condition. It's a lifestyle that I can adapt as a Christ follower, not just to be a beneficial and a blessing here to my church, but also to be a blessing everywhere I go. I can plan to do it. That means that I can make margin in my life to make sure that I've got the ability when a need presents itself, that I've got extra so that I can go out and help others. And it is the key that opens up other doors in our lives, I believe. Or in other words, I believe that there are areas of fulfillment that you might be chasing with hard work. You might be chasing with financial planning. You might be chasing with a number of things under the sun, but the fulfillment that you are trying to get from those things, you don't get unless you will be a generous person. Matter of fact, you might not even know that you are unfulfilled yet, but as soon as you turn loose and let the horses run, if you will, in the area of generosity in your life, you'll feel fulfillment like you never have before. We have a podcast here at the church. It's called No Walls. You ought to check it out. And I was listening to it the other week and uh, Preston Grace and our student pastor, Taylor Otterbein, they were talking. And they were talking about what an echo chamber is. And it's kind of self-explanatory, but they were talking about the danger of an echo chamber. Or in other words, having things in your life and people in your life and ideas in your life to where you only were always hearing the same data. You only heard information that already reconfirmed what you already believed. And that is dangerous because there's no room for feedback. You've stifled your growth. You've got stifled God's ability to step in and say anything new to you. You've got an echo chamber. You're just hearing the same thing. You know what? You get it. An echo chamber. Like if you, did you ever do this when you were a kid? Like you get a ton on you. Echo! And what it do? There you go. Two people did it. I appreciate y'all guys. Two people in the live. Yeah, yeah. But that's actually what happens since no one has done it. I'm listening to this guy. If you yell echo and it just repeats itself, that's what echo chamber is. It means once something is said, there's nothing that changes that thought. There's nothing that changes that belief. It's just said over and over and over and over and over again. And a matter of fact, you don't even need other people in your life to have an echo chamber. You can have an internal one to where you believe what you believe or you think what you think or you say what you say because of maybe something that happened or maybe you feel like you have have a right, or maybe you saw something done incorrectly, and now you have an echo chamber, and I believe this negative echo chamber actually stifles what God wants to do with generosity, because I think in some people's heads, without a doubt, and I will go ahead and put it out there, here's the caveat, they may have reasons to think this way, but their echo chamber is this, the church just wants my money, 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 money. 
all preachers are crooks, 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 crooks. And maybe they have a right to feel that way. Maybe they saw it happen. Maybe somebody didn't handle something correctly. But what has happened is, is that they have formed an echo chamber where it has stifled, it has stifled what God wants to do in your life in the realm of fulfillment through irrational generosity because now you have given yourself permission to have white knuckle on your finances when it comes to Jesus Christ and what he's asking you to do because you feel like you have good reason now and you have an echo chamber and you feel like you are hurting someone else by holding on so tight and what God wants you to know is that when you don't have irrational generosity, you are robbing yourself first. You are robbing yourself first because see, here's what happens even if you feel like you're entitled or even if you feel like you have good reason to be this way, is that something creeps in when we don't have a generous lifestyle. Something creeps in when we have an echo chamber and give ourselves permission to believe certain things or think certain things. Something creeps in that I believe is just as dangerous as any other thing we fight as Christ followers or even human beings. There's something that creeps in, and its name is greed. 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 And what greed does is it sleeps in so, sneaks in so slow, you might not even recognize that it slept into your life. You might even recognize that it has a hold of you. You might be greedy and not even know it. Remember, you might be greedy and feel like you were justified to do it. You may not be generous because of greed, and you feel like you're not generous because you have a right not to be because of what has happened to you in your life. That's how greed works, and that is how the enemy works. Every step you take away from God's best for your life, there will be someone there to pat you on the behind and tell you, boy, good job. Every step you take away, the enemy will make sure someone's there to congratulate you and affirm the decision that you're making, especially in the realm of finances and greed. You know, and there are a lot of things as humans that we fight. We fight sickness. Um, we can fight emotional things. We can fight poverty. There's a lot of things that we fight. And the way that we combat those things scripturally is, is that we pray, we fast, and then we stand on God's word. What I mean by stand on it is that we just trust God's word. And that's the antidote. And we trust God's word to go to work in our life until the thing that's not supposed to be in our life leaves. And we stand firm no matter how long it takes. We believe that God is good. And we wait and we wait and we trust and we believe. And sometimes it's exhausting and sometimes it's tough. But we wait and we believe and we wait and believe for God to get rid of this thing. And here's what's interesting. When it comes to greed, God says, you don't have to wait for me to do anything. I've already given you the antidote. The antidote for what greed does in your life is called generosity. And you can start today. You can start today. And let's go ahead and get the cat out of the bag. Churches exist to help people. However, you caught us. It takes funds to pay for these lights. It does. It takes funds to pay for these lights. That AC, it is kicking the best it can with this amount of people in here, but it takes funds to get that AC kicking. Generosity is the cure for greed. It's the cure for greed. We can see something else if we look in the book of Romans. Chapter 12, it says this. It says, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service, in his serving, or if he who teaches, in his teaching, or he who exhorts, in his exhortation, or he who gives, with liberality, he who leads, with diligence, and he who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. The scripture crosses me up because it's talking about a bunch of gifts that kind of are shiny things in the church. The person who teaches, they need to teach with passion. The person who prophesies, let them do it. The person who serves, definitely serve. If you've got full of mercy, give mercy with cheerfulness. And he slips one in here right there, and I read it, and it says this, that 
he who gives, give with liberality. I've never processed the actuality that giving might be a gift, but Scripture makes it extremely clear that there are people who actually have the gift of giving, and it gives the qualification that all you need to do is make your mind up to be irrational in your approach to giving, and that gift lands in your lap. And I will say it again, that the gift of giving is the key that unlocks several other doors in your life. And there's some things in terms of fulfillment. There's some things in terms of peace. There's some things in terms of joy that maybe you've been working your way towards. And generosity does that. And I think there are two sides of the ditch that we can fall in this morning right fast. And I'll hit them both really quick. The first side is, what if I don't have any extra to give? I get that. I've been there. And my encouragement with you would be this. Trust God and start somewhere. Start somewhere. Isaiah says the generous person makes plans to be generous. Start somewhere and watch God show up in a big way. We don't give to get. However, there are a handful of scriptures that do prove that when you are faithful with little, God will make you faithful over much. So the incentive should not be just because you're looking for the interim. The incentive should be is that when I become generous, God is going to unlock some things in my life that I need him to unlock. So I can't give. How do I give? Start somewhere. The other side is why should I give I'm already good. We've got a wrong mentality because you're thinking, why should I give? Because God has already been good to me. You don't give because you're just looking for God to give you more. Although, again, there's a handful of scriptures that prove that God is a good God. You give because what if there is a day to where the skills God has given you, the intellect God has given you, the, the networking that God has given you, the business that God has given you, um, uh, uh, the in intellect that God has given you, the creativity that God has given you, all the gifts that he has given you. What if they dried up one day? No, really, what if they did? What if you had to lean on something that was more than the temporary things that God himself had already given you? You are going to need something in either ditch. This one, you're going to need to lean on something. And in this one, there may be a day that you're also going to need to lean on something. And I believe that the thing that you need to lean on is named generosity, because it will set you free. No matter what it looks like, no matter where you start, I believe as Christ followers, we have an opportunity to take on the nature of God and be generous. We can be generous. I was at church, uh, I don't know, it seemed like seven or eight years ago, and I was in Tulsa, and it was a big church. There were like two or 3,000 people there, and I was just sitting there, and I was chilling, and I was honestly there because there were that many people there, because I was trying to hide. I didn't want no one to know I was there. Um, I, I just, just kind of wanted to do me for a season of life. So I'm like, I'm going to get up here. I'm just going to do me, and I'm hiding right here. And, uh, and God proved to me that he can still get you where you're at. And I'm sitting here, and I'm looking around at the church, and there's a gentleman that's smiling. And I mean, like, real smiling. I'm like, man, that guy, he's got joy. That's, that, that's a different level of joy that he has. And I'm looking at him like, man, I... I think I know him, but I've been here a couple of times, so I'm not for sure. So I'm watching him. He don't know I'm watching him, right? There's a lot of people in here. No one knows I'm watching him, but I'm just watching him. He was doing um, at that church what we would call our host team here. He was helping. He was greeting. It got to the end of the church, and then he was uh, taking up the offering. And I just watched him, man. I mean, I, he made me want to give because he was so nice. I was like, I want to get out of my aisle. This guy's kind of cranky. And go there and give to that guy. He's happy. And he just he was inspiring me. I was like, man, I kind of... I actually want to be like that guy. He's making a difference in me just by the way he is being. And I was moved by him. And the more I looked at him, I was like, man, I, I, I'm trying to connect the dots, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I know who that dude is, but I'm not for sure. And I'm going to walk out, and he walks by, and he smiles, and then it dawns on me. I know this dude. He used to work at Taco Bell. Yeah, I know this dude. Yeah, I've seen him before. 
Because what I didn't tell you that he told me is that when I gave him that 100 he was like, I'm not going to waste this $100. And I was like, bro, it's just 100 What do you mean you're not going to waste it? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, here's what I need you to know. He was like, what you're doing right now, he's like, I'm going to let God use it, and I'm going to make a difference. The reason we are generous is because it helps people. It moves people. It changes people. The reason we live past just my four and no more. The reason we live past just what's good for me. The reason we step outside of just what is beneficial for me is because there is someone on the other end of my generosity. Does generosity change me? Absolutely. But it changes people. There are people out there that need you to activate your generosity right now. What does it do? It kills the greed in your life that is cancerous. What does it do? It opens up opportunities to fulfillment that you didn't have before you're generous. And what's the last thing it does? It sets other people free. It sets other people free. Shut down the echo chamber. Shut it down. Even if it's factual. Even if maybe you've seen things done incorrectly. Maybe even people have even represented God incorrectly in front of you. Shut it down. We're not calling that a lie, but what we are saying this morning is, is that God is calling us to something higher. God is calling us to something better. And the name of that thing that's higher, the name of that thing that's better is generosity. It's generosity. Yeah. And he wants to use it to set us free. He wants to use this to change us. He wants to use it so that we are better. So that we are better. Because we know today, we believe, we trust, we lean on God about this fact, that it's truly more blessed to give than it is received. Start somewhere. Do what you can. We're not throwing figures out today. What we're saying is, is the scripture makes it clear that giving is between you and God. But we do feel um, the obligation. We approach it as an opportunity to challenge you to be generous not just because of how it benefits an organism called a church, but because of what it does for the people that make the church up. The freedom it gives. Yeah, yeah, the freedom it gives. And maybe you're chasing freedom in some areas. And I'm not saying that you putting $5 in an offering bucket is what's gonna trigger your freedom. But what I am saying is you making a shift in your mind and you making a shift in your heart to have an open hand towards God, no matter what that looks like. That's between you and him. I'm not up here to handle that. That's between you and God. My encouragement, my challenge is that you just talk to him about it. You dig in scripture and find out what it says about generosity. My promise to you, what I believe is this, is that it'll do more than you thought it was gonna do for you. And what if you're holding on because you are concerned that what if God doesn't do what he says? What? If I give and it just doesn't seem like there's a return, what if, what if, it's not going to happen, but what if this, what if you partnered with God in your finances, right, and you became extremely generous, and what if you lost something that you have right now because you did? I do not believe scripture teaches that, but what if you did? What if you partnered with God in your finances and you lost something that you like? What if you did? A possession, what if you lost it? What if you lost something temporary, right? But you were able to gain something eternal. What if God did something so big in you because you were generous and you had to downside the house? I don't believe it's gonna happen. That's not what we're saying. I believe that God is good. I don't think you can outgive him. But what I am saying is this, is that if you are having issue getting motivated to give because you can't find margin because of things, what if they all fell away, but you got all the wealth of the things that Jesus had because of? What if you had to change the cat trade to Cadillac for change? 
What if you needed God to move in a big way and you're like, what's going on? What if you had a death grip on things and God has no problem with things, but what if you had a tighter grip on them so tight that you could not realize that greed has creeped into your life and you justify it by working hard and you justify it by putting in long hours, you justify it by saving, you justify it by doubting how well other men can handle your money and women can handle your money once you turn it loose in the church. You justify it those ways, but what if God is saying, wash all that. It's between you and me now. This is your money, this is your heart, and I am your God. How are you going to handle it? And I believe that's the question God's proposing this morning. How are you going to handle it? And that's my challenge. That's my encouragement. Is that hopefully, even if it's just a little bit, there's a piece of your heart, no matter if you're already generous or if you've never been before, that you've opened up to God this morning. And you're saying, okay, God, I can take a first step, or okay, God, I'm going to take another step. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.